with me uh, to Genesis chapter 6, and, and we're going to continue our series. Uh, the title of, uh, of this one has kind of changed a little bit, but uh, we read a little bit out of Genesis 6 last week and also 7, but something the Lord has shown me this week, and this, this will help draw our teaching to a conclusion. Uh, in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9, we'll start there, and there's something I'd like to share with you in, in that today. And the title of our lesson today, we, we have been talking uh, for the past five weeks, for the past five Sundays, we have talked about the consequences of sin. And it culminated last week with the destruction of the world. And we talked about how that we, we don't have to be uh, facing God's wrath and the destruction that God has to bring because we're in Jesus. Amen. And we've got a home prepared for us in the heavens. And, and I wanted to talk today, and, and yesterday, it was yesterday uh, before the title of this came to me. And then the Lord just gave it to me there in a period of about two hours. And so the title of today's lesson is now that we have seen the consequences of sin. We've seen what consequence, the, the wages of sin, what they had done. Today's lesson I would like to title Righteousness Rewarded. Amen. You know, just as much as, as God has to deal out punishment, He also deals out reward for those that love Him and are called according to His purpose and that work for Him and, and, and live their lives the way that He's asked us to live. So Righteousness Rewarded. And let's read uh, here in John, uh, I'm sorry, Genesis, excuse me, chapter 6, verse 9. We'll read the, uh, the rest of this chapter and then we'll talk a few things about it. Genesis 6 and 9 says this. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the earth also, well, also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark, and you shall finish it to a cubit from above, and set the door of the ark on its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Every... Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds after their kind, of animals after their kind, and of every creeping thing on the earth after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. And you shall take for yourself all of all food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. And verse 22 says, Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the story we have read here about the covenant that you were about to make. We know, Lord, that the, the work was real. 
and that the work was a struggle, for it took many years to complete this task which you had given Noah to do. But Lord, help us to see today, as we go through this lesson today, that we need to be like Noah, as it said there in that last verse, that he did everything that was commanded of him. Hallelujah. What a great witness to us and a, a, a thing for us to strive for in our life. So Father, I pray that you open these scriptures to our minds and our hearts today. Help us to see this lesson which you've given us, that righteousness is rewarded here on earth and also in heaven. So Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Noah was a righteous man. The Bible we just read right there in verse 22 that it says that he did everything that God commanded him and so he did it. Amen. I, I would like to be remembered when I'm done with my life, when my life is over. I don't want people to remember that I had some kind of a skill that I could shoot a basketball or I could throw a football or I could drive a car fast or I could sing a song well or whatever it may be. I want people to remember me just like Noah is remembered here. Amen. That he was a man who did everything God said for him to do. Praise God. That's a beautiful way to be remembered. Now because of this, Noah was rewarded along with many others as well. And I just wanted to share a few of those with you because I want you to see that when we live for God, it doesn't mean things aren't hard, but it means there will be a reward. There's rewards in the natural world, in our natural lives, and there's also reward in the spiritual life afterward. Amen? Praise God. So a few of the natural things I would like to point out to you. Noah's physical life was saved because he obeyed God. Noah himself was saved. We forget that. We always talk about his family and his, his daughter-in-laws and his sons and his wife and stuff. But Noah himself was saved. If he hadn't built the ark and been in it, he would have died too. So Noah's physical life was saved. What does that mean for you and I? Do you know that living for God, do you know that following this Bible and doing the things that we're commanded to do is actually better on our physical life than if we disobey Him? You ever stop and think about that? If we simply live our lives and conduct ourselves in a way that the Bible talks about, I'm not talking so much about the spiritual stuff. I'm just talking about the natural implications. The Bible says not to be drunk with wine. That's a good thing, right? I've never known anybody that, that woke up from their drunk and said, man, that was really great. They're miserable when they wake up from their drunk or their intoxication or their highs of shooting needles and drugs in their system and stuff. You see what I'm saying? By obeying God, our physical lives will be saved from destruction. See, Noah's physical life, he was saved himself from physical destruction. We can be saved from destruction if we follow after what God says. Amen. Here in this natural world, drinking and drugs. How many problems in our society right now would go away if people didn't do drugs and alcohol? Wow. You talk about, a, you talk about that would improve life on earth. Three or fourfold, easy, right then. Just that alone, right there, would solve a lot of problems. Amen? So there's natural rewards. Think about all the illicit sex that goes on. It, it affects people's uh, psychological situation. They go around and have all these different partners, and then later in life they regret it. It's a, it's a drag on them. They can't get rid of it. Not to mention the physical diseases that comes from that kind of stuff. If we simply obey God... And live our life the way he says to live it. Even our natural lives will be rewarded. Amen? Amen. Amen. What about the lying, the cheating, and stealing? If we'd obey God's word, think about how much better the world would be if people didn't lie. And they didn't cheat. And they didn't steal. Wow. A lot better world, wouldn't it? There are natural rewards. 
that come to us for living life the way God asks us to live. See, a lot of people look at this book, at the Bible, and they say, well, that's just a hindrance to me having fun. Well, I know a lot of people that have had fun for years and years and years. And you look at them now, and I'm just going to, this might sound a little harsh, but it's just the truth. The Bible says to tell the truth. I know people that's my parents' age, and they have lived the party lifestyle all their life. And they look like they're 150 years old. Some of them are so unhealthy, I don't know how they're still alive. It pays and there is a reward in this natural world to live your life the way God asks you to live. That doesn't mean it's not going to be hard or this, that, and the other. And what people think is fun really is not fun. It's just a temporary satisfaction. Amen? So think about the, the way that the lying, the cheating, the stealing, and all that kind of stuff. I want you to think about the Bible teaches us not to be lazy. Amen? The Bible says that a man should work to feed his own household, right? If he's able, he should do those things. And I got to thinking about these people if, that, are, that are running around in here and, and, and drawing checks and they're fully able to work, they're not setting a good example. They're not living their life a godly way. Now, if we have some kind of situation where we can or we got a physical uh, uh, something we can't do, that's different. We're not talking about that. But I know a lot of people, and we actually mentioned a little bit of that this morning. There's a lot of people cheating the system. Amen. They're running the system dry from people who actually need it because they don't really need it. They could actually be contributing to society. See what I'm saying? So there's natural rewards for living the way God says to do. For a man being a man. And getting up and going to work. I admire my dad. We were talking about it a little bit while ago. And I admire Brother Charlie. And I admire Brother Daryl. And I admire Juanita. I know I know these people have worked their whole lives. Amen. And a couple of them's already retired. A few of them's getting ready to. But uh, one of the things that I, I, I respect the most about those people is there was days that their backs was hurting. There was days that their legs was hurting. There was days that they didn't feel good, but they knew their family needed them. And they got up and they went on to work. Amen. Praise God. Because that's the way God set it up. Remember a few weeks ago, God didn't curse work. He just cursed the earth, right? He was going to make work harder. But work is actually a pleasurable thing. Adam and Eve were working in the garden before they sinned. Amen. Because they were tilling it and keeping it. Amen. So just think about how the natural rewards were for Noah in his physical life and how they are for us. Life would be better if we obey the Lord, even in the natural. Amen. Noah's family was saved also because he obeyed. Because he was righteous, his family was the beneficiary of it. His wife, his three sons, and his three daughter-in-laws. You ever stop to think about that? It didn't say that they were righteous, but they were saved because of his righteousness. Do you know there is something about when people live their life for God you know, there's a promise, and I'm going to show it to you here in the Bible in a little bit. There's a promise that if you'll obey God and that you'll accept Jesus Christ, you know what? It says he'll save your whole household. There's people running around right now hollering about name it and claim it, and they do it for all these different blessings about their bank accounts and their cars and their this, that, and the other. It's not about that. There's one promise that you can claim that the Bible says, and I'll show it to you in just a minute, that if you'll believe the Lord Jesus Christ, that he will save your whole household. I know people right now that are born again whose parents prayed for them their whole life and their parents died and they never saw their children saved. But before their children died, guess what? They got saved because God makes that promise. Amen? I'll show it to you momentarily. 
So Noah's family was saved. When we live obedient to the Lord, we're a righteous example to our family, friends, and acquaintances. Giving this example to our family is the most important job that we'll ever do. See, we've got to be careful not to get out here and worry about saving the world first and then our family next. Our living a godly example in front of our kids, in front of our own family, is the most important thing that we can do. Praise God. Now, sometimes they go with it. Sometimes they reject it, whatever the case may be. But it's up to us to live that example, right? Amen. If we live in disobedience to the Lord, it's very likely that our family will also. If I, as a father, raise my children for them to watch me get drunk every weekend, to be lazy and not keep a job, all the things that we just finished talking about, if that's the kind of example I set in front of my kids, what, what is the percentage and the likelihood that my kids will grow up and be the same way? Because that's the easy way, isn't it? Right? But if I live a godly example, and I take my kids to church, even when they don't want to go, Guess what? There's times that little kids don't want to go to church. They'd rather just lay in bed like the adults too, right? Something about when it comes time to go to church, you get so sleepy. You can't wake up for nothing. It's just like, oh, I just don't know. Well, maybe I won't go today, you know. You see, there's that battle. You know, it was a battle for Noah to build an ark. I got to go see a life-size replica of that thing this past summer. And I'm going to tell you what, that thing's big. And it took a lot of work. To build it that big. Amen. Noah's family was saved because he was righteous. You know, your family can be saved a life of destruction if we live according to God. Like I said, if we teach them to get high and drunk and all the kinds of things that people do, guess what they're going to do? They're going to do the same thing. Now, they may do that even if we live godly. They may get tangled up in the wrong crowd. It may happen. We, it's not a guarantee that they'll live right if we live right. But it's pretty much almost a guarantee that if we live wrong, they're going to live wrong too. Because they're going to mostly do what we see, they see us do. So set that example for our family. Amen. You see, I want you to think about that. Noah's sons, I don't know whether they was really in agreement with their dad or not. I don't know. It doesn't really say but they saw their dad. And he spoke to them and said, Thus says the Lord, we got to build an ark. And it's got to be this long. And it's got to be this wide. And it's got to be this tall. And it's got to have three floors. And it's got to have a window. And it's got to have a door on the side. And that's all I know. But I know that the Lord said that. I know that God has said things in here about us the way we're supposed to live. And if we'll live that way in front of our children, just like with Noah they'll end up being saved in the long run from a life of destruction. Think about that. Amen. Another thing, a key point I'd like to notice is that humanity was saved. Look to the person next to you, if you can, and say and think, we wouldn't be here without Noah. I want you to think about that. Everybody else was cut off. Noah became like another Adam in an essence. He was where it all filtered down through. If Noah hadn't obeyed the Lord, none of us would be here. Think about all the pleasures and enjoyment you've had in your life, the things you've seen, your own children be born, and on and on and on, all the wonderful things that God has allowed us to see. It would have never happened. So humanity was saved because of Noah's obedience. Amen? 
Also Noah's descendants still reap the benefits of Noah's righteousness. He offered sacrifices to God when the flood was over. We talked about that last week, right? And we saw something there that maybe we hadn't seen before that, wait a minute, God never made the promise about the rainbow until Noah offered the sacrifices. And it says, then he smelled a sweet smelling aroma. And then God said in his heart, I will never again destroy the whole earth with a flood as I have done. Hallelujah. You see the power of intercession. Amen. Noah interceded. So Noah's descendants, that guess what? Guess who Noah's descendants are? You and I. We descended from Noah and his wife. Amen. Noah's descendants are all of humanity. I want you to think about that. We, we, we say things like this and, we, and maybe we think we understand it, but it, it was revealed to me yesterday how, how the magnitude of it. Every human being that has been living for the last 5,000 years has been the beneficiary of Noah's righteousness. Why? Because we have never since Noah's day seen a flood that would in, in, uh, destroy the whole earth. There's been pockets that's been flooded. There have been certain areas that get flooded, but never the whole earth again. And so all of Noah's descendants, that's you and I. When the flood starts coming at our house, we know, move on up just a little bit and get out of its way. It'll go back down after a while. But see, when it came in Noah's day, it kept coming, kept coming, and kept coming, and there was no end to it until everything was destroyed, right? So we've been the beneficiary of Noah's righteousness. Also, nature has too. For 5,000 years, the earth's never been completely flooded. Every animal that's ever lived since then, they've not had to worry about being flooded out with an entire worldwide flood. So there are natural rewards, amen, for obeying God and living a righteous life and doing the very best we can to follow His Word, amen. Now, let's talk about some other things. The eternal rewards. You know that things change eternally because we're righteous, because we follow God. Guess what? If you as a parent raise your children and you teach them about Jesus and they grow up and they get saved, guess what? Eternity has just changed because you did the right thing and you were righteous. There's a person now that's going to go to heaven that may not have before that because of what you did. Praise God. Hebrews 11 says that Noah moved with fear and built an ark. What? To the saving of his whole household. He was, he was fearful that even though the things that God had talked about had never happened, he still feared. And he moved because of that fear because he respected what God had said. Amen. Think about this way, an eternal reward. Noah will be remembered forever because he obeyed the Lord. What was that last verse we read? Verse 22. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So he did. It is recorded in God's holy word. The Bible. That Noah did everything God commanded him. Nobody can change that now. Nothing will ever change that because it's recorded. God has said this is it. It's the fact. Amen. Nothing's going to change that. People will say, well, man, he had one of his sons just right afterward just went off the rails and he, he went off back into sin. It don't matter. Noah was righteous in the eyes of God. Noah did what was right in the eyes of God. So see, it doesn't matter what everybody else does on down the line from us. If we set the example 
If we live our life the way we're supposed to, guess what? God has recorded it. Amen. That it's forever accounted unto you to be righteous. That excites me. That makes me happy. When we obey the Lord and accept Jesus as our Savior. Do you know, it's, do you know see, people forget that. God has commanded, the Bible says, that everyone everywhere repent. It's a command from God for people to accept Jesus. That's why when they don't, they're going to go to hell because God said, this is what I want you to do. And so when we obey that and accept Jesus, we are declared righteous. No matter what our kids do, no matter what our parents did, no matter what our husbands and wives may do, if I accept Jesus Christ and I follow this word, to the best of my ability. Nobody can accuse me anymore. Amen? Because God has said, guess what? There's a book in heaven called the book of life. Moses referred to it. We refer to it as the Lamb's book of life. That those that accept Jesus Christ they get their name written down there. And guess what? The devil don't have access to it. People don't have access to it. It's only the Lord's. It belongs to Him. And when you accept Jesus Christ, your name is written in the book. That excites me. That means I'm eternally, forever, remembered as a person who obeyed God. Amen. You see, we may not be doing something as grand as building an ark to save the whole world. But guess what? If the Lord saved me, and I live the way I'm supposed to live, there's going to be other people that will be affected by it. And eternally, it will change things. Amen? Amen. Also, eternal rewards for Noah's family. They saw firsthand what obedience looks like. You know, most people in general will do what they see. If they see other people do things and it seems to be pleasurable or enjoyable and kind of the way to live, then we'll kind of adapt and do that, won't we? That's just kind of how we are. We're, we're made to be followers a lot of times. But if we do the right thing, people who are watching us, they will see a first-hand example of what it means to walk with the Lord. This provided them with an opportunity to walk in obedience to the Lord also. By obeying the gospel, we show our family what obedience looks like. Now they will have the opportunity to be saved from their sins just like us. And if they choose to follow our example, then their names can also be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I was reminded when I read this. <clears throat> sometimes when the Lord gives you something to do, just like when we began this church, then a lot of different things happen, a lot of ups, downs, and in-betweens. And there's always those times when you question, Lord, is this really what you want me to do? And these kinds of things. And the Lord just keeps pushing you on. Keep going. Keep going. Keep moving. Keep going. And I read that verse there yesterday, and I was reminded. It's been a tough road. But you want to know one of the reasons it's been worth it? I myself got to stand here a little over a year ago and see my own son accept Jesus Christ. There was an eternal reward for obeying God and doing what He asked us to do. I stood right in this very building and I saw my daughter be anointed 
to play music for him in the future. Praise God. Our family will be rewarded, amen, for our obedience to God and walking with God. You know, somebody showed us the example one day. Most people are following that category. We saw somebody else that we looked up to living for God, and it was an example to us, and eventually we came along, amen. Maybe you're here today, or maybe somebody will be listening and say, well, nobody in my family accepted Jesus. Nobody lives for God. Well, guess what? You can be the first. You can be the one to accept Jesus and break that chain and that curse that's in your family of people just living however they want to live. Because there's always that. Every family has had that person. Amen. That was the one that God said, you know what? I'm going to save that person. And I'm going to forever change the course of human history. And I'm going to change the course of eternity because they're going to accept me. And then their family, it will just start to trickle down. Praise God. So our families will be the beneficiaries of an eternal reward. Praise God. Just a couple of little stories I'd like to share with you and then I'm going to close. <clears throat> I read these yesterday and I was reminded that these are some of some of the best stories in the Bible. I, I don't know. I keep saying that. Everywhere we talk about it, we say it's the best and it is. It's all good. God's Word, the Holy Bible, I like it all. Amen. And, and, and at this point right now, I guess we'll say this is one of our favorite verses. In Acts chapter 10 and 11, there was a man named Cornelius. The Bible says that he loved God. And he gave alms. And he did everything he knew to do to try to be a, a good person. But he didn't know Jesus. And you know it said that he prayed one day and he had an angel come and visit him and said, I want you to send over to this certain town and ask for a fellow named Simon who's also named Peter. He said and he's going to come speak words to you. And in the chapter 11, Peter was recounting the story and he said that this is what he told him. Send and listen to this man and he's going to save you and your whole household. Cornelius, after Peter had come in and began to preach the gospel about the Lord Jesus Christ, it says that while he was still speaking, hallelujah, that the Holy Spirit fell on these people, just like it had with those in the Jerusalem at the beginning. And the Gentiles then now were recipients of the eternal reward. And the Bible says that everybody in his house, him and his whole household, we're saved. Hallelujah. A little bit later in Acts chapter 16, there was, there was, they were in Philippi, in, in a land called Philippi. And there was a woman there named Lydia who it was visiting that town. And it says that these people went out as a custom by the river and they would pray. Amen. And it says that, that uh, Paul and Silas and his companions were there and they went out with them to pray. And it says that the Lord opened her heart to hear the things spoken of by Paul. And guess what happened? It says that she and her whole household got saved right there on the spot. But maybe you think about it and you say, well, those were people that had a, had a godly character to look up to in their family. And they did because these people were already praying people and they already loved God. They just needed a little more information. It was also just a little bit later in that same story, the Philippian jailer. He didn't know God. And he had come his life to the point, at the end of this story, he had gotten to the point where he was going to commit suicide because he was scared to death of the authorities. But the Bible says that he was saved and his whole household was saved. You see what had happened, Paul and Silas, you see. Let me tell you just a little bit of this story. It's a good one. 
See, Paul and Silas, right after they talked to this lady, this lady named Lydia, it says that there was this little slave girl that had a spirit, an unclean spirit. And Paul cast the spirit out. Amen? And because he cast the spirit out, her slave masters had been using her and using that spirit to get rich. And when they seen they weren't going to be able to make money anymore, it says they went and grabbed them and took them off to the magistrates, to the authorities. And the authorities, it said, took rods and beat them, took their clothes off and beat them and gave them a bunch of stripes. And then it said, take them and I want you to put them in jail and secure them very securely. Meaning not just in a regular cell. I want them chained up. And so that jailer took them and put them in that in the innermost part, it says, of the, of the jail. And fastened their feet in the stocks. And here's what I want you to see. The Bible says at midnight, Paul and Silas began to pray and to sing psalms. What? Not about the Lord, but to the Lord. And it says in that same verse, and those that were there, the ones that was in charge of keeping them in the prison, heard it. I have to wonder if maybe the 23rd Psalm wasn't one of them they were singing that night. Yea, though I walk through the valley, the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Hallelujah. And it says as they heard those, they must have known that something was different about this God whom they were praying to and singing to. And it says that at that moment there was a great earthquake. That the foundations of the jail itself was broken and, and moved around. And it says all the doors were open and everybody's chains came free. Well, that jailer had then went to sleep <clears throat> after listening to them sing. And he woke up and thought everybody had escaped. And he thought, uh-oh, boy, I'm in big trouble, so I'm just going to take my life. And then Paul cries out, do yourself no harm. We're all still here. We haven't left. And it says that he got a light and he went running in and he fell down at their feet. And he brought them out of the jail. And you know what the first question he asked was? What must I do to be saved? He'd heard them singing and praying to the Lord. And he knew then that the God whom they served was a mighty God. And that he had delivered them from the prison that he was in charge of keeping. And he said, what must I do to be saved? And you know what the response was? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you shall be saved. You and your whole household. Hallelujah. There's one of the promises we need to claim. Over our family. Amen. I'm not talking about everybody else out here in the world. I'm not talking about some other country. I'm talking about right here. Our own family. Let us claim that promise. Because he told him. If you'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be saved. You and your whole family. And it says guess what. That they began to speak to those, the rest of his family. And every one of them got saved. Amen. And it says that they brought them to their own house. And cleaned them up. And helped heal their stripes. And all those things. There's an eternal reward for believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. For obeying God and believing the gospel. Amen? Amen. We might be a Noah who set the standard for our family. We might be the, we might be the one like they say my great granddaddy was the one that in his line of the family, he was the first person to get saved. And from then on it just trickled on out. Amen? We might be that Noah. We might be that Philippian jailer. 
We might be a person who, whose family has never been to church. There may be generations upon generations of our family that's never been to church, never accepted Jesus. Well, guess what? You could be the one. Hallelujah. You could be the one to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You could be at the point of suicide even. Praise God like this man was. And then when he heard the words of the truth of the gospel, what do I need to get what you have? Hallelujah. Praise God. Isn't that great? So we might be a Noah. We might be like the jailer who nobody in our background has any kind of religion or spirituality or anything. Or we might be the one that's benefited from someone else's righteousness, their righteousness. Either way, righteousness has a reward. It helps us here on earth. And it's most definitely going to pay off in the long run in eternity. Amen. Amen. Let's close with this today. Father, we come to you today as we've delivered the words which you've given us. God, we see now that there are uh, rewards for living righteously. Lord, we know we don't have to go think up a bunch of stuff to make ourselves better than other people. We just simply have to obey the Bible. Lord, you, you said to Noah, build an ark. And he did it. Hallelujah. And it says that he did everything commanded. Lord, let us do everything we're commanded. Lord, let us follow you and set that good example for our family. Lord, let us lay claim today on your promise that if we'll believe the Lord Jesus Christ, that our whole household might be saved. Lord, I know that there's some here today that have lived that righteous example in front of their family that they don't see these rewards yet. They don't see that eternal change in their family members. But Lord, we pray once again today, Lord, save our lost loved ones. Lord, we have those that they, some of them knows the right way. They just choose not to live it. But Lord, we claim your promise today that it's about souls. It's not about earthly possessions. It's not about earthly things that we talk about. It's about souls being one to Jesus Christ. So Father, we pray for our lost family members today. I pray God that if there's anybody that may hear this message today and they don't know Jesus, that today, they can become a Noah. They can become like that Philippian jailer. They can become like Lydia. They can become like Cornelius to be the first one to believe. And then it trickled down all through their family. Hallelujah. Maybe it'll even trickle up, Lord, into their parents. Maybe they have parents that's still alive that aren't saved. Let it trickle up to them also, Lord, that they might be saved because that's their household. Hallelujah. We ask these things today, Lord, in Jesus' name. I pray that you keep each and every person here safe today until we can meet again. We remember once again our shut-ins that aren't able to be with us today. Give them strength, Lord, and heal their bodies. We ask it today in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for all things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen.